0: about worshiping, about uh, being able to spend a morning together in God's Word and uh, in song, and an afternoon, a little bit of an afternoon together, eating and enjoying fellowship in that way too. So I uh, would ask you if you could stand, if you would, as we begin our worship service, and we'll begin with prayer before we get into our music and songs. So let's pray together. Father, we do praise you for this morning. We praise you for the beautiful weather, for um, the amazing blessings that you lavish on us every day. I am grateful to see Steve here and uh, to know that you have worked in his life to help him recover from his surgery. And he's back up and around and ready to preach and teach. And I just pray that you would help his back this morning as he shares with us, I thank you for each and every song we're doing this morning, that uh, you have amazingly worked through different people, given them musical talents and abilities to put sometimes your word into songs, sometimes great doctrinal truths into hymns, that we can sing, that we can worship, that we can be... uh, enthralled by you and who you are and sing about it and how much music can be in our lives to help us worship and adore you. So we ask that this morning everything that's done would be to glorify Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start with a scripture song found in Psalm 113. And if any of you are curious, the Bible—if if, you—if you ask the Bible—how often should I be praising God? How much of my day should be devoted to worshiping Him and letting Him in my life? And the key to that, or the answer to that, would be from Psalm one thirteen: From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised.
1: From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, His glory is above the heavens. Praise the Lord, praise O servants of the Lord, praise. The name of the Lord. Blessed be his name, the name of the Lord, from this time forth and forever. Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who Shall to be all the things that are in heaven and on earth. Praise the Lord, praise the servants of the Lord, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name, the name of the Lord, from this and forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be His name, the name of the Lord. from From this time forth and forever. From this time forth and forever. From this time
2: forth and forever.
0: carries that same message. Rejoice, the Lord is King. Your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks, and sing and triumph evermore.
1: Rejoice, the Lord is King, your Lord and King adore. Rejoice, give thanks and sing, and triumph evermore. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. The Lord our Savior reigns, the God of truth and love. When he had put our stains, he took his feet above. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. His kingdom cannot fail, He rules o'er earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus' given. Lift up your heart, lift up your voice, rejoice again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in glorious hope Our Lord the judge shall come And take his servants up to their eternal home We soon shall hear The archangel's voice The trump of God shall sound rejoice. We too shall hear the archangel's voice, the trump of God shall sound, rejoice. Amen.
0: You may be seated. Psalm 32 was written by David. After his sin with Bathsheba, he was eventually confronted by a prophet and God, and he was so stubborn before, and God melted his heart. And he wrote this psalm afterward declaring what we all know from 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And David was singing, How blessed it is to know that my transgression is forgiven.
1: How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered by the blood of the Lamb. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, you righteous ones, Shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. How blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered by the blood of the Lamb. How blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. In whose spirit there is no deceit. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones, and shout for joy. Praise God! All you who are upright in heart, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous ones. Shout for joy! Praise God! Are you who are heart.
0: Well, Steve Phelps is not here, so somebody's <laughs> got to praise God. <laughs> I should have saved this over next week. He's going to be here. He would appreciate it being able to being able to <laughs> sing that for us. Uh, Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that is greater than any sin. There's no sin in our lives that we can commit that will take us away from the love of God or that the blood of Jesus Christ did not pay for and cover and take away on the cross.
1: grace of our loving Lord grace that exceeds our, our sin and our guilt yonder, yonder on Calvary's mouth outpour. outpour. there where, where the blood of the lamb, lamb was spilled grace grace God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that is greater than all our sin Sin and despair like the sea waves call Threaten the soul infinite loss grace that is greater yes grace untold points to the refuge the mighty cross grace grace God's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look, there is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, 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 God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. His face, will you this moment his grace receive? Grace.
0: before, before uh, Steve shares a message. <clears throat> Jesus paid it all. <clears throat> all to him I owe. We are not our own. We're bought with a price. And for the real joy that comes from Christianity, we have to give our all to him anyway. I guess the only way we're really going to experience the peace and the joy and the things that he desires to give us is when we surrender and give ourselves to him. Jesus paid it all.
1: I hear the Savior say Thy strength indeed is small Child of weakness watch and pray Find in me thine all in all Jesus paid it all All to my own Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow Lord, now indeed I find Thy power and thine alone changed the leper's spots And melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all All to Him Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow for nothing good have I Whereby thy grace to claim I'll wash my garments white In the blood of Calvary's Lamb Jesus paid it all All to him my own Sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow And when before the throne I stand in Him complete Jesus died my soul to save My lips shall still repeat Jesus made it all All to Him my own. Sin had left a crimson stain He washed it white as snow
0: Steve's message today is on uh, attitudes and actions regarding God's Word, and there's probably no better passage in the Scripture than Psalm 119 and, and talking about God's Word and the impact that it has on our lives. We're going to be reading this morning from Psalm 119. If you take a Bible you brought with you or one in the pew before you or just listen to the Word of God, Psalm 119, verses 97 to 112. Starting verse ninety seven. Oh how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, because I have observed your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I have not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. From your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn and will confirm it, that I will keep your righteous ordinances. I am exceedingly afflicted. Revive me, O Lord, according to your word. O, accept the freewill offerings of my mouth, O Lord, and teach me your ordinances. My life is continually in my hand, yet I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, even to the end. Let's pray. Father, to think that you have loved us so much that you would give us your word you would write everything we needed to know about you and how you feel about us about what you require of us of your character of our character of how you planned on bringing salvation to us and the rewards you have for those who serve you just everything is in your word I think if I got a letter from the President of the United States, I would, you know, you'd have it mounted on my wall and read it every day and everything, and yet I have word from the God of the universe, and I don't take advantage of that. I don't read your word as much as I should. I haven't treasured it in my heart the way I should. I haven't memorized it the way I should. I pray that as we hear today again about your word and how it's supposed to be in our lives, that it would encourage us to love it more, to desire to know it more, and that we would take advantage of this time and every time we have to study it. Use your word this morning from Steve's lips in Christ's name. Amen.
3: Good morning. Hope you'll allow me to use this stool today. We'll it will feel a little better. But good to see you all. Glad you could be here at Hope Bible Church. What Steve said about the word really is amazing. God has given us his word. He has given us a book that we can use, that we can read, that is from him, that is his. And we're going to be looking at Psalm 119 a little bit today. Psalm 119 is, is, is the words from God about how to understand his word. And it truly is my favorite uh, book in the Bible. I've been reading it every day for since the ni- early 1970s. I love this book. But anyway, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fundamental, absolute importance of God's word for your life. We talked about how it's essential for your spiritual life, your spiritual health, your growth, for doing all that God wants you to do and for being blessed in the way that God wants you to be blessed. Matthew 4.4 4 says... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 24:35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. So we understand then the fundamental, absolute importance of God's word. And I believe the most important chapter in the Bible that speaks about God's word is Psalm 119, what I just said to you. And the truths of Psalm 119 are this. They're a spiritual catalyst. That's what I see, a spiritual catalyst that motivates you to want to read and understand and learn and apply God's Word to your life. Now, before we get into Psalm 119, we're going to look at the first 16 verses today. There's a few things I just want to mention. First, you'll see the same point is often repeated or it's restated differently. Of course, this is God's way. He teaches us His, his truths in lots of different ways, and there's different ways He teaches it here from Psalm 119. Second, second some of the sections... And each, some of the sections, and each section is eight verses, have this one basic theme. And other sections have a number of different themes. So that's what we understand. Third, these verses, and I sort of mentioned this, will help you to rightly think about God's Word and also then help you to understand how you should apply God's Word. So let's then begin. Let's go to Psalm 119 and verse 1. Psalm 119, verse 1. We're just going to work our way through all these verses Verse one, Psalm 19: "How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord." This verse is the theme verse of not just these eight verses, but the entire psalm. It's the main message. But there's five words from this one verse, this first verse you have to understand, before we even get into the rest. Of the message. I'm going to go over these just briefly, so listen up. Five words here. First, there's the word blessed, which is defined as a spiritual state of well-being and prosperity, a deep joy-filled commitment that cannot be shaken by anything. Then there's the word way, which is translated as, 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 as the word road or course or journey. It speaks of your conduct. It speaks of your way of life. It speaks of your direction in life. It speaks of where you're headed in life. So there's first the word blessed and then the word way. Then there's word walk, which means to go. And it means you're going someplace. It means you're going in a certain direction. You're taking steps in a certain direction. And there's a connection between the word walk and the word way. And this, of course, just makes sense. That is how you walk determines your way, your way of life. It determines your course. It's you know, how you walk, where you go on. So how you walk determines what your life then will look like. Next, there's the word blameless, which means without blemish, without defect, holy, perfect, pure. And finally, there's the word law, which refers to God's word. I think of this, the last couple weeks I've been walking. I can't swim for another probably month or so because of the incision. So I walk, and so I walk. I have all these different routes around the neighborhood. But the one route, the basic route, is I go outside the front door, I go to the sidewalk, I take a right on what's Mountain Springs Lane, then I take a right on Farnsworth, then I take a right on Spring Moss, then I take a right on Garden Side, then I take a right back then on mountain springs, and I'm back home. So that's the way that I walk. That's the whole point. That's the way. I take all these steps. I haven't counted the steps, but take all these steps, and that's the way that I walk. And the whole point is this. We all have a way about our life. We all have a different way that we're walking, and hopefully it's a way that's in line with what God wants you to to do. So verse 1, then, is what you get when you put all these thoughts, all these words together, and what is it saying to us? First of all, let me just say it this way. That is, you know God's law, first of all. You know what God's word says. And then you walk according to God's law. That is, live according to God's law. Then you'll be on the way. You'll be on the path. You'll be on the course. You'll be on the journey that God wants you to be on. And then your life will be blameless. And then you'll be blessed. Okay? It's a simple example of a map. You all, well, maybe you don't use maps anymore, but we still use maps for old school. But a map helps you to get where you're going. You don't just go a couple miles. You don't just go to one city. You, you know, If it's a long journey, you keep traveling and you follow the map and it gives you very specific instructions of what to do. The same, too, with God's Word. It gives us instructions. It helps us to know how then we should live our lives. Turn to Psalm 1, verse, Psalm 1 verses 1 and 2. And you'll see some similarities here. Psalm 1 verse 1, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right away you see the word blessed and you see the word walk. Nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. Then go down then to verse verse um, uh, 6. The Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So as, as Christians, as believers then, Hopefully, there's a way that we're walking. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. That's one of my main themes today is this way that God wants us to walk. Okay, let's go down then to um, verse 2, Psalm 19:2. 2. And verse 1, it says, how blessed. In verse 2, how blessed, too. That's the main, major theme. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. And this is very similar then. It goes along with verse 1. First it says, how blessed. But then it's, it's talking about how is God going to bless you? What are the conditions? And it says you need to observe his testimonies. That is another way to say that. And there's, there's a lot of synonyms here. Observe or keep or obey. That is, you need to do what God wants you to do. And you look at, look at Psalm 119. Look at verse 4. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. So it says it again. Verse 5 Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then go to verse 8. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. So this theme of obedience is, is repeated four times in just these eight verses. So this is a major, major point that God gives us a law. Then we need to do what God wants us to do. But then we see the word seek, verse 2, who seek him with all their heart. So how do we get this blessing from God? It's, it's, it's by obeying him. And by seeking him. So there's this this connection here. So you're to seek God with all your heart. And that means you're to call on God. You're to go to God. You're to praise God. And the idea of seek has the idea of desperation. It's something you really want. It has the idea of of passion. That is, you really want to know God. really want to talk to God. You want to learn from God. You want to learn what God says in his words. Proverbs 8, 17 17, uh, says, I love those who love me and those who seek me will find me. Great great truth. Seeking the Lord results in you finding God. You probably know the verse in Hebrews 11. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. So if you're seeking God, then you're reading his word. You know what God says in his word. You know what he wants you to do, and then you do what he wants you to do. And so you have to seek God then if you're going to obey God and be blessed by God. That is, knowing what God's word says and then obeying God doesn't just happen. It's a matter of seeking God, a matter of spending time with God, a matter of reading his word. Seeking God and then being blessed by God. I'm not going to read it, but Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 6 has has one of the best sections in the Bible about seeking the Lord and the results, the blessings, and it, it, it writes them out there for you of seeking him. So the first two verses then are foundational, how blessed, how blessed. God will bless you if your way of life, if your lifestyle is blameless. That means then you're seeking God and obeying him and living a holy life. That's, that's what happens. It made me think of that sidewalk. You know, You go around the sidewalk, and the sidewalk's not cluttered with toys and bikes and everything else. It's a clean sidewalk. I can walk in the sidewalk with no obstacles. I'm not walking through the grass. I'm walking on the sidewalk. It's a blameless, it's a holy sidewalk, and it's going in a certain direction. It gets me where I want to go. So that, that's the theme of God's word then. It leads us in the, in the path that God has and gets us where God wants us to go. Verse 3, another condition. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. It's pretty strong. They do no unrighteousness. Another condition for being blessed is that you're not doing anything wrong or unrighteous. And not doing anything wrong means you're living a holy life, means you're staying away from sin. And not doing anything wrong then means you're doing what's right. You're obeying God. You're keeping God's commands and therefore you're, you're on the path that God wants you to be on. Now, verse 3 then really complements verse 1. Go back in verse 1. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. You look at the last phrase of verse 3, they walk in his ways. And so the idea is very simple. Verse 1 talks about the person whose way is blameless and who is walking in the law of the Lord. And verse 3 then is talking about the person who then is walking in God's ways. And so you need to see this equivalency, that if you're walking in the law of the Lord, you'll be walking in in the ways of the Lord. That's what we see from verses 1 and 3 then. Go to verse 4. You have ordained your precepts that we should keep them diligently. Um, This word "ordain" is a strong word. It means that God has ordered, God has commanded that his precepts be kept, be obeyed. That is, God really wants you to do what he has in his word because he knows it's what's best for your life. He's commanded you. Say, this is for your good. I want you to do this. And it says we should diligently keep. uh, The word diligently uh, is is a word that means fully or or, or completely. And the whole idea is that we're to fully keep God's word. We are to completely keep God's word. It isn't just a once in a while thing. It's it's an all the time thing. And following God and living for God isn't that which is to be done casually or occasionally or once in a while or one day a week. It is an all-the-time thing. That's what God wants us to see. And your obedience, then, isn't to be half-hearted. It's, it's to be wholehearted. We know the verse. We all know the verse in, in Mark 12, Matthew 22 as well. You shall love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so the idea of obeying God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength is a corollary. That's, that's the whole idea, to obey God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Now we go to verses 5 and 6. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. Now, verses 1 to 4 talk about what we're to do, that we're to obey God's word. If we obey God's word, we'll be blessed. But you see, verses 5 and 6, it's it's a prayer. So you have the principles given to you in verses 1 to 4. Then you have this prayer in verses 5 and 6, and it makes sense. You, You see the shift here. He's talking about what we're to do now. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commands. And so the whole point here um, is, 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 is this prayer. God, the psalmist is asking God to help him to do what he knows he should do. And of course he knows he's not there yet. I mean, he says they also do no unrighteous. No person is perfect. We all understand that. But here he is, here he is then, and he's praying, God help me to be one who is, is not doing anything wrong, but doing everything right, one who then is, is, "My ways are established, I'm obeying you just the way that you want me to obey you." Again, we see the word "ways there, which means your way of life, your direction, your course in life is then of one of obeying God. One of keeping God's commands. So you think about this: Is this your life? Is this your lifestyle? Is this what 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 your life looks like on any given day? You're doing what God wants you to do. That is obeying God should define your life. So look at Psalm um, verse thirty-two, same chapter, Psalm one nineteen thirty-two says it very simply: "I shall run the way of your commandments." That is that is following God's commands gives you this way that is obeying God's commands then makes this way that you're traveling on here. He says, I'm running the way of your commandments. The the road is clear. The pathway is clear. My course in life is clear. I'm running. I'm running. Full blast. I'm running the way of your commandments. Back to verse 5. Oh, that my ways may be established. The word establish is also Translate as prepared. And and the point is this, is that your life is to be prepared. Your life is to do whatever God wants you to do. That's the whole idea. You get up in the morning, and your mindset, your thinking for the day is what? What is it? It should be the mindset, hey, I want to follow God today. I want to do what God wants me today, do today. I want to obey him. That's what I want to do That is, you shouldn't have a mindset that is thinking about just what you want to do. And surely you shouldn't have a mindset that's set on on doing something that's disobedient, something that's wrong. Your mindset, your desire, your ambition then should be focused on God and obeying Him. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. The result then of diligently keeping God's word is you won't be ashamed. This is verse 6. You won't be put to shame. You won't feel bad about what you're doing in life you know, somebody won't see you as one who is unrighteous or ungodly or a wicked person, but rather they'll see you one as, as 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 a godly person. And, and notice it says, when I look upon all your commandments, you, you see these verses here in the first eight verses, wow. No unrighteousness, keep all your commandments. This is a pretty high standard. And and, and we understand that. It is a high standard. God's standard is perfection. He wants all of us to be perfect. This says and, in, in Matthew 5:40, I think the NIV says "aim for perfection," but but the, the NAS said this: "Therefore, you to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." So the idea is this: you get up at the day, and you say, "Lord, help me to do whatever You want today. Help me to do all that You want, whatever and all that You want me to do." This is this is God's desire for us that we then are ones who are like this. We go to Matthew, uh, excuse me, verses seven to eight. I shall give thanks to you with off brightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. So you have verse 7, and it, it is, is, is he's, he's saying, I shall. Whenever you see the word, not whenever, but usually when you see the word shall, it's a statement of commitment. He said, this is what I'm going to do. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. And it's interesting because what's it say? I'm going to thank the Lord when I learn what you want me to learn. So hopefully today you learn some things from the Lord by his Holy Spirit and you thank the Lord because only the Holy Spirit can really illumine our minds and hearts to to understand and and learn what he wants in his word. So we are to be thankful. We're 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 to go to him and say, Lord, you teach me what you want me to learn. Then we need to thank him when we learn what he then is teaching us. But then the next part is, is, is next part, verse 8. It says, it says, I shall keep your statutes. That's another promise. So you see, the first four verses are principle. The next two verses are prayer. And the final verses really are this commitment or this promise. I'm going to promise to thank you when I learn your word. And I'm going to promise to do whatever you say. So it's one thing to obey God but it's another thing, say, Lord, I am going to obey you. You get up in the morning, Lord, I'm going to do what you want I'm going to do it. I'm going to be loving to that person. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to work hard. You know, I'm going to be, you know, thinking about your work, having pure thoughts. I shall keep your statutes. And, and I've, I haven't said this yet, but just, just, again, we're looking at the theory today. when we talk about these eight verses. Some of you, you had algebra, and you had X's and Y's and Z's and stuff, and you didn't like that theory. You wanted real numbers, okay? I loved algebra. I loved X's and Y's and all that stuff. That's the theory, okay? We're talking here. When we apply, you take actual truths, like, like I just mentioned the verse love. You want to love somebody, that's a command that God gives you. You're to love. So you can put all those verses in here. I shall keep your statute of loving people today. And that may be just the one thing that's on your mind because, man, if I can just do that, I'd be doing, I'm going to be loving today or patient or forgiving or whatever it is. And so, again, you can put any verse, really, you want to in these verses here. And so I'm just giving you sort of, again, the theory, the X and Y's and Z's, but you've got to put in the truth. I'm not really going to be doing that today really at all. That's going to be up for you as you go through life. So... He, he says, I'll keep your statutes, and finally, do not forsake me utterly. All he's saying there is, Lord, don't leave me. If I'm going to do what you want me to do here, you've got to stick with me. And, of course, we, we know the truth. There's many verses in, in the Word of God and, and that talk about God won't leave us. He'll never forsake us. He's going to be always with us forever and ever and ever. So that's, But again, that's his prayer. And again, we know this because again, for him to say these things here, he's got to do it by the grace of God. He's got to do it by the Holy Spirit of God. He can't do it on his own. Not, not, not at all. Let me go to Psalm 119. We're going to go through this a little quicker here. I love this Psalm. Similar, but different than the first eight verses. But, Verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by keeping it according to your word? And and you could talk about this, talking about how to live a holy life. How can a person, any one of us, live a holy life? It tells us by keeping it according to your word. And we know a holy life is important. Verses 1 to 8 talk some things about being holy. And verses 9 to 16 give us more things. And really, you think about it, all the thoughts from 9, clear through 16, is about how to be holy. And again, we understand from chapter 1, verse 1, other verses, that we need to be holy. We need to be blameless if we're going to be blessed by the Lord. We have to be. That's, that's what God wants for us. And so, so verse 9 then gives the general over, overall answer of how to be holy. And of course, it's by living according to God's word. If you recall back a few weeks ago, I talked about three different aspects of God's word, truths, commands, and promises. All that's important. How do we live a holy life by living according to God's word? The truths in God's word, the principles in God's word, specific verses, and general truths. All those things are important. Then verse 10, with all my heart, I've sought, your, sought you. Do not let me wander from your commands. And we had that, that whole thought of seeking the Lord before. And it's stated here again, we are to be ones who seek the Lord. But here it says we're to be wholehearted with the Lord. We're to, to, to pursue Him, to go after Him with all our heart, with all we've got, with all our might. And, and the result then, and if you don't do that, is that you'll drift. You'll wander from God. Okay, you all know what it's like to be in some body of water, an ocean, something, and you're out there and you drift. And it's so true that as Christians, we will drift unless God's Word is an anchor for our soul, an anchor for our heart, something that we're thinking about on a regular basis. We need to have God's Word, and we need to be ones who are wholly, wholeheartedly seeking Him, having that, really wanting to be with God, wanting that more than anything else. And, and then as we do that, we'll have a close relationship with God. I'm not going to look at these verses. This is John 14, 21 and 23, and I've looked at these many times before. But they're the, some of the best promises in the whole Bible, I believe, on if we obey God, you will have an intimate and close relationship with God. And really, well, that's what we want more than anything else. We, we look at, you know, we try to find in our flesh all kinds of things that satisfy us to make us happy. Nothing will. Only your relationship with the Lord. Only that will do. In fact, it was interesting. I was talking to my friend, Maureen, whose husband, Mike, passed away back in 2012. And, and, you know, she told me this about two months ago. She said, you know, she, she really believed that Mike's favorite book in the Bible Our chapter was Psalm 119. that's interesting. So she actually sent me some of his notes. But when you read his notes, and again, they were just notes. He was writing for himself. He wasn't writing for me. You could tell about the close relationship that he had with God. He loved God's word, and he loved Psalm 119. That is pretty evident as I read some of the notes that she had for me there. So we're to be wholehearted. Verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Again, these are all keys to being holy, okay? You seek the Lord. You Now we, you, you, you don't wander from his commands. You treasure uh, God's word in your heart. Uh, this word is also translated to hide, the NIV. The verse says, I've hidden your word in my heart. Nobody else can see it. Nobody else can see it. But this is what you want hidden in your heart. This is what should be there really all the time. you to hide. You're to store up God's word in your heart. Verse, verse 12 then it says, blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. Similar to what we saw before, that is, we need to keep asking God to teach us His word, so we can learn what He wants us to learn. Ask Him to teach us, and then we'll we we'll bless. We should bless Him. We should be thankful. You should always be thankful when you learn God's word, because it sure wasn't your mind, your brain. It was God's spirit that helped you. I want to want to turn to Psalm well, same chapter sixty-seven, verse sixty-seven and seventy-one, because sometimes we will. Say, Lord, teach me your word. And and one tool that God commonly uses to teach us as word is, is found in these verses. Verse 67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So you get the order. Person's going astray. Then he's afflicted, and he keeps his word. So think about this. I'm not saying it's always true, but there's definitely times when it is true that you're going through some trial and you might want to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? And most often, <laughs> something will come to your mind. His spirit will put something in your mind. So you're uh, uh, going astray, going the wrong way, not the ways of God. You're afflicted. Some trial could be minor, could be major. And then you learn. You are to, to, to learn and keep God's word. Verse 71 similar. 71 says, it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. I don't think we usually say that, do we? Oh, I had this trial. It was really good to have that trial. It was a wonderful trial. <laughs> now, we, we don't think of the trial in and of itself being good. We understand that. But the results of the trial, the working of God in our heart, helping us to learn his statutes and keep his word, that is a good, definitely a, a good thing. So we continue. Verse uh, 13. Psalm 119. With my lips I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. This is interesting. Do you see what it says? It's pretty obvious. It just says, hey, you're to tell others God's word. And telling others God's word helps to further establish God's word in your heart. It, it strengthens it. I know I've, I've seen this in my life many times, and I can't help but think you've seen this. too. So you start sharing God's word, and God strengthens you. And it helps you then also be one who is more upright and one who is more holy. Verse 14, I rejoice in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Obeying God's word then puts you on this spiritual path. Puts you on this spiritual course, this way. Again, understanding, keeping God's word puts you on the path of life, the way of life. In fact, in fact, um, just Friday, my, a good friend of mine some of you know him here, in fact. Gary Kellogg. I've known him for probably about 50 years. But he was a Christian, and a Christian man, a godly man. He was 74. He had some kind of heart ailness, heart problem. It's on the 4th of, I think it was on the 4th, first part of January. And then the next day he died, okay? He went to be with the Lord. But the thing about Gary is the way he lived. I mean, that's the way to say it. We're talking about the word way. The way he lived was excellent. I mean, he was
0: <coughs> excuse me,
3: a godly man, one who loved people. I had many conversations with him on the phone and person to person through the years, many, many, many. And, and, and in fact, he's the first one that talked to me about being a pastor way back in 1979, a long time ago, was Gary Kellogg. But the way that he lived, his godly life, his loving life, and his son, Tate, shared. I was watching the memorial service on Friday afternoon. His son, Tate, shared like 45 minutes, but he gave three stories, three stories to illustrate Gary's way of life, that he was a loving and kind and patient person. And, and so that's, that's one way you want to think about it. We're talking about this. What's, what's your way of life? You know, if, if, we had a, if we had a memorial service for you today, what would they say about you? You know, would, would they say good things about your life? And it would be not just one thing that happened, but your life was filled with stories of God using you and you being a loving kind. That's, 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 that's what we're talking about here. And so God's word, obeying God's word then puts you on this spiritual path. But then it says there, it says, I've rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. So, so, so you have God's word, his testimonies, his truth that you need to obey. And now you're obeying it. So you're in the way, you're on the path that that obedience is taking you, okay? And you're rejoicing in that way. You're thankful that you can be living for God. You're excited. That's the whole point here. You're excited about the fact that you can live for God in the way that he wants you to. And so you're to rejoice. Rejoice in God's word. You're rejoice in his ways. you to be excited. to be delighted about this. And as it goes on to say then, as much as in all riches. And and the idea there is just an example. All of us here can be tempted at times to love things more than we love God. Pretty basic thought. We all understand that, okay? God wants you to learn to love him and his word and his ways more than anything else. Here he gives the example of a a person who's rich, okay? And, And, you know, the point is it's, you know, there's, there's, we used to talk about millionaires in our country, you know, 30 years ago. Now there's billionaires. Now we talk about who are the billionaires. Having God's word and living according to God's ways is better than being a billionaire. It's better. We all know this in our minds and hearts. but We just need to remember that things that you might want, things that your flesh might be attracted to, boy, what God has for you is so, so much better. Verse 15 I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. It's a very important verse. You have to understand, this is critical. This is one of the most critical verses of the whole time. I will meditate, as the word just means to think, okay, to think. Regard is, is similar to the word meditate. You need to consider. You need to think. And so you're to think about the word of God and to think about the ways of God. Do you see what it's saying? You to think about the word of God, specific verses and truths and commands, and you to think about the ways of God, which is the result of obeying specific commands. That is, God wants you to think about this verse, and then think about what's the result if I continue to carry out this verse throughout my life? You'd be a loving person. I mean, that's, that's, you, know, you love once, you love twice, but you keep loving over time, people will say, That person is really a loving person, or that person is really kind, or that person, that person is faithful. Man, he's at work every morning on time. They'll say things like that because that's the way of your life. You've established it by continuing to do what's right in one particular area or another, whatever it might be. That's the idea. So I will meditate on your word, on your precepts, on your commands, and I will give regard to your ways that is a result of living for you and living out those truths, those verses, those commands that you're to you give me to So that's important to see. You want to see the big picture. Oh, why should I obey the God? Well, if you do obey God, it's going to look like this. You're going to have a wonderful, blessed life, which is the way this, this psalm starts. How blessed, how blessed, blessed. Not just a little blessing, a lot of blessing. And that's why it's so encouraging. I mean, it really is. I was touched because, again, I knew Gary pretty well um, Friday and talk, seeing that. And I think, wow. And it was so sudden. But, boy, he, he lived a good life. He was 74, you know, married for 50-plus 50, 50 years, you know, had a wife and two children. And, and he had a lot of trials. And we would talk about that. But God, God kept him going. So so encouraging. Then we go to verse 16. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. I shall delight in your statutes. The word delight is similar to the word rejoice in verse 14. Word to, that is, to rejoice in God's word or to be excited, or to to love God's word. Look at verse uh, 24. Your commandments, your testimonies also are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 47. I shall delight in your commandments, which I love, and I shall lift up my hands to your commandments, which I love, and I will meditate on your statutes. So the simple question, in fact, this is really critical, is do you love God's word? Do you love it? If you love God, you should love God's word. And if you don't love God's word, you're not going to be doing what we're talking about here today. It just won't work. Go back to Psalm, Psalm 1, which we looked at before. Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, for stand in the path of sinners, nor see, sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You're not going to be thinking about God's word, let alone obeying God's word, if you're not loving God's word. That's the whole point. That's what it says back here in Psalm 119. It says, says um, well, verse 6, 15, I will meditate in your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. So you love it. You love God's word. You know, and, and again, if you say you love God, and you love God more than anything else, then you should love God's word more than anything else. They go together. You can't separate your love for God and loving your love for God's word. Then it says here, I shall not forget your word. Oh, well, this is important. <laughs> Why? We tend to forget. All of us are forgetful people. Some here don't forget as much, but all of us forget. And here we're talking about the most important thing that you shouldn't forget is what? It's God's word. So so, so that's his commitment. I'm I'm not going to forget God's word. That's that's what he's committing. Again, he's not perfect, but he says that. He's telling the Lord that he doesn't want to forget it. He knows that not forgetting God's word but remembering God's word then is critically, critically important, essential to living the successful Christian life that God has for him. So you think about this. Anytime you hear God's word, whether it's in the morning, you're reading your word or afternoon or here to study or any Bible study, you must take time afterwards. And I would say as soon as possible afterwards to go back over what you learn. Otherwise, you will forget it. James 1 talks about the forgetful here. talks about that. We, we see that there. You go, to, you go to Mark chapter 4, and it has the four, the four um, the, the soils, and, and three don't do so good. Okay? And so the idea is you want to hang on to God's Word. In fact, it says, I think, with the four soil, He is one who holds on to the Word. It means He's not forgetting it. So th- this may be one of the most important things here. You might walk, oh, that was a really good message. And then tomorrow you don't even remember it. That'd be terrible. Absolutely terrible. Waste of my time. Waste of your time. Why'd we even come? Okay, be honest. That's true. You must do what you need to do. Whether it's a piece of paper, your computer, whatever, I'm going to write down the main things that God taught me. The notes are fully back there. If you want to get the notes, you can get them, or you can listen online, whatever you want to do. This, this is critical. This is your life. Your blessing, your success, being what God wants is living according to his word. And here, this part concludes, I shall not forget it. I shall not forget it. And, of course, the prayer, I love that been back to verse 8 is looked up there. Do not forsake me utterly. God, you've got to help me not to forget it, okay? But then you've got to do what you've got to do. You've got to do your part. So what we're talking about in these verses, seeking the Lord and treasuring his word and, and learning from him and rejoicing in his way and telling others the truth and delighting in his word, they're all important. They're all keys then to not forgetting his word and to remembering his word and to hiding his word in your heart and hiding, and then being able to walk in the law of the Lord and then to walk in the ways of the Lord and then you'll be blessed. That's, that's all that we're saying. Now, one more thing to see here is when you look at this, verses 9 to 16, it's, it's, i got to stand up, my foot is falling asleep. I can't have this walking down those steps. I'm thinking ahead. Um, is really asleep? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> um, yeah, the mic up. Okay. Uh, verses nine to sixteen. Verse nine is a statement. It's a question. How can a person keep his way, Peter? How can he do it? And verses you know, ten through sixteen give the answer. But really, that's all a prayer. That's what it is. When you go back through, with all my heart I sought you, your word I've treasured in my heart. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. And what you'll see in Psalm 119 is, is some, some of the verses are actual prayers, and other verses aren't prayers. And this one here is more prayer than not. Okay. And so this is a good prayer to have. It's, it's a really, really good prayer to have. And finally, I want to just conclude with one more section. I know Steve read two sections of Psalm 19, but one more. This is one of my favorites, and then we'll conclude here. Um, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. Make me walk in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn away my eyes from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. Establish your word to your servant as that which produces reverence for you. Turn away my reproach, which I dread, for your ordinances are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. Revive me through your righteousness. Two points of application. Think about verses that you can sort of plug in. These first sixteen verses, a particular verse, a particular command that God wants you to keep. Again, it could be just loving somebody, forgiving somebody, being faithful. Just think of one or two, and put them in there. The second thing is maybe you want to consider reading, again, a section. I just read eight verses a morning. Read a section of these of Psalm 19 before you read you have your time with the Lord and read the rest of the word. You might want to do that. So you you do what you want, but I just suggest that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for your love for us, your kindness, your mercy, for bringing us together. We know that you're faithful in so many ways. We we know, Lord, that you have given us your word. It's a wonderful word. It's the truth. It's it's the word of God, and it's all that we need. It's 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 what's sufficient for us, and it's true, and it's right, and it's holy, and it's pure, and it's very specific. It's very practical, Lord. And you can teach us your word as we read it and we. Learn then through your Holy Spirit. But, but thank you for everyone here. I pray we be ones who are not forgetful hearers, but effectual doers of the word, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be that. That's what we desire. That's what we pray. But thank you so much for everyone here. For those who couldn't make, we pray your blessing upon them. We just pray that you would bless our time together. And thank you for the meal that you give us to now. We pray all this in Jesus' name.
2: activities coming up. We've got our Bible study time um, this Wednesday, 645, if you're available. And then uh, ladies' meeting has been in the works for a while, so that'll be uh, this coming Saturday, the 28th, 1 p.m. if you're able to come out. uh, Please plan on that this Saturday. And uh, just wanted to say a thank you for those that were able to come out yesterday for workday. When you pulled in the parking lot, you might have noticed a few holes were paved, so that was good. We did that and a few other projects, so thank you for all the work, folks, and um, then today is Matthew meal, so that's our lunchtime and fellowship time together. If you're able to uh, stick around, that'd be great. Have lunch with us, doesn't matter if you forgot, so um, some people came up. This is the fourth Sunday, so you can pretty much count on that every fourth Sunday. It's Matthew meal, but uh, <laughs> it came up quick this, this month. So um, that'll be after service when the two doors are open. We'll go through as we're directed and uh, enjoy lunch together. So now we have our last songs, and offering-wise, you've got a box on the back table as you go out the double doors, or you can give online, or you can mail it into the church. Thank you.
0: invite you to stand as we finish out our worship service with a couple of songs. One of the great things about um, Hope Bible Church when I came here, I, I think I would probably only heard two scripture songs in my whole life. They were uh, kind of obscure to me, not really realizing that uh, the hymns, a lot of them take Bible verses and, and are enclosed in those hymns. But to actually take Bible verses and put music to them is an amazing way to learn. It helps me memorize verses better than I could any other way because music tends to stay in your mind. And so uh I really enjoy doing those scripture songs. So we've got three this morning. This is our third one. It's found in the book of Acts, uh chapter 1 verse 8, the last commandment that uh Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was that they should wait for the power of the Holy Spirit to come on their lives give them the power to accomplish the things He wanted and that they would be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to all the earth.
1: Shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria. And even to the remotest part of the earth In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria And even to the remotest part of the earth For the earth earth. will be filled See, pictures of me. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you and you shall be my. Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth for the earth Will be, will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Knowledge of the glory a wall to cover the sea. oh cover the sea. The sea and I will make you fishers of
0: Going out and getting them. So our final song is when we all get to heaven. Uh, God's not taking up a load right now, but we don't know when our time is going to be. But it doesn't matter if it's the undertaker or the uppertaker, We're all going to get there and we're all heading to heaven when we all get to heaven.
1: Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing His mercy and His grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, He'll prepare for us a place when we all we all get to heaven. What I what rejoicing! the of rejoicing that will be when we, when we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory While we walk the pilgrim pathway Clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sign. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all, we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting, serving every day. Just one glimpse of Him in glory, will the trials of life repay. When we all, when we all get to heaven, what a day rejoice of rejoicing of that will be, that we'll be. When, we all, when we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory Onward to the prize before us Soon his beauty will behold Soon the pearly gates will open we shall tread the streets of gold When we all, when we all get, to get to heaven What a day of rejoicing, what day that, that, of rejoicing will that will be when we, all when we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory When we all, we all get heaven. to heaven what a day what of rejoicing it will be When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory When we all see Jesus We'll sing and shout the victory